Everybody, welcome to the Awkward Introvert's Guide to the Apocalypse, the podcast that Bongo 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 does not want to leave the Congo. This is Josephine Reilly. And I'm Zombie Tia. And today we're circling back and doing part three of our Brotherhood of Still Lore. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. It takes place like around 36 years after Fallout 2 and is in a completely different area. Which is exciting to me. The West Coast Brotherhood of Steel, I'm not fans of. This side of the Brotherhood of Steel, I am a fan of, actually. And this was my first introduction to them. Because I played Fallout 3 first before anything else. And so I always thought of them as cool. Until I played Fallout 4. And then I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Wait. On this note, we are skipping Fallout Tactics. Because the lore is not consistent with later games. So we are skipping to Fallout 3. I'm just going to add that at the very beginning. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We are also skipping the Brotherhood of Steel standalone game. Because it is not canon. And also it is terrible. It is absolutely (laughs) terrible. I do not know who made that game. It was not Bethesda and it was not um, Obsidian. And just, oh, boy, howdy. (laughs) Goodness gracious. I watched someone try to play through it, and they were, like, taking breaks for months at a time. Oh, no. And they did not beat the game. It is not good. That's terrible. So, yeah, it is terrible. But that's okay, because we can talk about the Brotherhood of Steel in Fallout 3, who, besides the very first Brotherhood, I do think of as respectable people. Right. So... 2254, the Brotherhood's ruling council in Lost Hills in California decide it's time to head east to recover any and all advanced technology, and they put Paladin Owen Lyons at their lead. That is how the story begins. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he takes his daughter, Sarah, which I think is interesting because it's like, you're going on like a long, probably dangerous journey, but you're going to take your young daughter with you. Cool, cool. Right. I guess he knew he was going out there for like a long period of time. So maybe that's what his thinking was on it. Yeah. But I was just like, that's that's interesting. Right. It turns out to be interesting because it sounds like they were supposed to head east and then return to California. Mm-hmm. So he should have been, you know, reuniting with her within a couple years in California. Yeah. So I also find the choice to take her along quite interesting. Yeah. 
don't know, maybe like thinking of it from a parental side, maybe he just didn't want to be separated from her for that long. From my understanding, her mom's dead. It would just be her. Right. And so maybe he was like, you know, maybe I just take her with me. And it works out. They don't have a really quick way to transport each other. So if there was an emergency or something, it's not like he could Hmm. fly home to get her or help her with whatever. So it it does make sense, I guess. Yeah. I think it was a goodly amount of people who went on this trip as well. So, Uh you know, people who got medical training, people who could help keep her safe. I think it was a good group to go. Yeah. You know, it worked out really well for her. She ended up like a leader of her own little group within the Brotherhood. And so that's cool. I like her as a character. I think she's interesting and she's like a lot of fun to talk to. Also, they cut through Pittsburgh on their way there. Which, if you have one of the DLC add-ons, I it's slipping my name right now, but you go to a place called The Pit. Hello, Pittsburgh. <laughs> when they were traveling to East, they went through there and they wiped out a bunch of raiders and slavers. They ended up losing one of their members, Ishmael Asher, who would become the boss of that place. Yeah. And then they just left, you know, with 20 kids who became initiates. Right. I, I think it's interesting that instead of, like, digging him out, they did just leave him and just assumed he was dead. Yeah. I wish they would have dug him out. But kind of after meeting him, it's like, oh, yeah, you know what? I would have pretended you were dead, too. So <laughs> Yeah, he sounds like he's a real <laughs> shitbag after he takes over the pits. Yeah. <sighs> the pit DLC is so hard for me because it's really a morally questionable thing that you have to do there. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know what's right. Your choice is you let... These people continue having slaves and just horrible conditions for these people. Or you steal their baby and give that baby to some people who, like, they're not going to harm the baby. But it's like, are they really trustworthy? And so sometimes I lay awake at night and I stare at the ceiling and think to myself, did I make the right choice when I played that DLC? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, you're saying, when I finally do play Fallout 3, do not download that DLC to make the hard choices. No. (laughs) It definitely is not on the level of dead money, but it is an area that I do not enjoy that does give me high amounts of stress. Because you're also dealing with these monsters called troglodytes, which are humans-ish. In a way, they were once, but advanced radiation. Oh, no, no, I didn't like that ish. (laughs) At one point, they were Uh humans, and then advanced radiation, and now they're trogs. And they are not fun. I do not like them. There is just something about them I find incredibly uncomfortable. And they're scary. (laughs) So, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, let's dive out of that. Sorry we got sidetracked on that whole thing, but... I just feel like I need to talk about that sometimes. <laughs> I have trauma. I gotta talk about that trauma sometimes. <laughs> oh, that's fair. The more research I do about Fallout 3, mm-hmm. I still fully intend on playing it. Oh, you have to. But it does sound like there's a lot of situations where you have to question your morals and decide whether you are 
more good versus evil, I guess. Yeah. Without actually being able to do what you want to do. Because there's later on in this game, which we'll probably talk about in this episode, there's another morally questionable decision you have to make. Yeah. Yeah, I I would kill a man for a remastered Fallout 3 that gave you more closure to some of these questionable choices or like more dialogue options. Just, oh, I'd kill a man for. <laughs> but I digress. So they moved on into the DC area and they drove the super mutants, you know, into the ruins of DC. And generally, the people liked this. Like, it was good to have the Brotherhood around. Yeah. At this point, which is something that's interesting compared to, you know, in the Commonwealth where they're like, ugh, the Brotherhood? Seriously? They were, like, actually well-liked in the DC area. Having to deal with all these gangs and super mutants and all that kind of bullshit, I'm sure the survivors were excited to see ironclad humans trying to help them in some sort of way. Like, especially, like, they have a major super mutant problem, so... Yeah. It was probably good seeing someone who could actually stand up to super mutants efficiently come through. And, like, while they didn't like ghouls, I can at least respect the fact that they left... Uh, underworld alone. Uh-huh. They didn't go in there and do anything to them. They just left them alone. And it's just like, okay, yeah, I respect that. Right. Yeah, so they went into this area and they made a huge discovery in the Pentagon, which was Liberty Prime, the coolest thing ever, basically. <laughs> I absolutely love Liberty Prime. He is a good giant robot. Okay, first opinions of when I saw him, my first thought was, do you remember the movie The Iron Giant? Oh, you mean that movie that makes us cry every time we watch it? Yeah, that Everybody? one. Everybody? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yes. I saw Liberty Prime and I was like, oh, I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> it was upsetting when Liberty Prime got blown up for me. <laughs> I didn't cry like I do when I watch The Iron Giant, but it was very upsetting nonetheless. You were able to choke down those tears. Yeah, I made a mental fist and I shoved them down real good. And I was like, no, no, this is just a very ultra patriotic robot. You don't need to get upset over it. And that's why adults are allowed to drink alcohol. Exactly. (laughs) So this discovery made it so Lyons became an elder and he got new orders saying that he should set up a permanent presence in the area. And this is awesome. It's great. He's a good dude, and he actually wanted to help Wastelanders. Like, he actually cared about the populace, which is so far from what most Brotherhood people do. Uh Uh-huh. I could go on forever about this. Like, it's just, it's nice that they had someone in the Brotherhood who actually cared about humanity and not just finding tech. Yeah. But, unfortunately, he got real, real wound up in the idea of defeating the super mutants, And people started to kind of question that, be like, um, are you really following what we do here? He ended up getting cut off from the main chapter of the Brotherhood. But wait, wait a second. I thought he got cut off because he decided to do more humanitarian acts instead of just retrieving tech and returning it to California. No, that's exactly what I mean by that. Sorry for the confusion. No, it's... I haven't played this game, so... Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have the hands-on experience, uh-huh. so I'm just... I was just clarifying. Because I could be completely wrong, and that'd be fine. <laughs> no, like, 
Well, he became obsessed with, like, defeating the super mutants. And he was doing more humanitarian efforts. He didn't worry about finding tech as much. And people, like, just really started to question his leadership. Uh Uh-huh. And because of this, yeah, he got cut off from the main group who were like, uh, you're not doing what we think you should be doing. And he was like, "Mm, well, eh, whatever. Screw you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, screw those guys. They're a bag of dicks anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, y'all are here, and I am, so... Listen, I really dig Alliance. He's great. They are literally on the other side of the country. Yeah. Like, they don't know what's up. They need to mind their own business. He found Liberty Prime. Give the man a break. Right. Unfortunately, it wasn't just the other Brotherhood people on the West Coast thinking this. He had a bunch of people within his group also be like, uh, no, your leadership's trash, we're out. And that's how you got the outcasts. Yeah. Who are assholes. Oh, they're assholes. I hated running into them. It sounds like they're just like the regular faction of the Brotherhood of Still. Oh, basically. Basically, I just mostly spent my time walking past them, having them be like, move along, scaver, and all that stuff. And it's just like, fuck you. You know who I am. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Man, sounds like the BOS of Fallout 4. Exactly. Move along, civilian. Move along. Don't tell me what to do. You don't own these ruins. Right. So they ended up like, not the outcasts, obviously, lions. They ended up helping out with Project Purity. But unfortunately, with the first go around, there wasn't really progress being made. And they were just... This is something that does bother me, is that they just ditched the project. They're like, well, we're not helping anymore. And on, like, one hand, I understand it, because it's like, they're weaker than what they were. They have to worry about the super mutants and all this. But on the other hand, it's like, hello, this is an important project. It's so important. Clean water, guys. Yeah. For the wasteland. Right. But... They pulled out of that and just, like, kind of continued on with what they were doing until the Lone Wanderer showed up and was like, hey, let's get this back going. Yeah. Which, unfortunately, if you've played Fallout 3, you know how that goes. You end up with a dead dad. Not fun. Very traumatizing. Especially to those of us who were playing the game as an emotional escape, only to have our emotions shove back at us so (laughs) it's always the worst when you get the real fills for the fictional Uh, it doesn't help that uh liam neeson is the voice of james oh no and it's just like it's one of those comforting voices that you hear i find him to be a very comforting individual Uh uh-huh and so i was like oh this is my papa and then it's like oh my father is dead and the Enclave now have his project. However will I go on? <laughs> Real fills for the fictionals. And that's when I ran to the Brotherhood. I ran to the Brotherhood and I tattled to them, being like, Hey, the Enclave stole this from me and I need your help. <laughs> so the Enclave killed my dad. They took my project. And they're just dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you think that I hate the Brotherhood of Steel? No, man, no. They do not even come anywhere near to how I feel about the Enclave. But that is a subject for another time. Because we're still talking about the Brotherhood of Steel. <laughs> I was going to say, that that one's going to have to be a whole episode in itself. 
when we start talking more about factions. Yeah, it's, oh boy, yes. It's a faction we definitely need to touch on. Just not today. Just not today. Today, we gotta keep talking about Elder Lyons and how he was a much better leader than Elder Maxon, the whatever. Y'all know. <laughs> Who was a baby in this game? I never did figure out why he was there for sure. Like, I know that there's a reason, and I'm pretty sure he says it in-game, but I cannot for the life of me recall it at this moment. Right. Definitely came from the West. I don't exactly know when he did. His dad, who was a high-ranking paladin at the time, was killed in battle, and then his mom sent him east to be raised under Elder Owen Lyons, because he was respected then. So before they cut the support... But when he was tiny. Basically. He was still pretty young, but it just, like, doesn't say what his age was. Yeah. Like, and this is, like, the most frustrating thing about number four. You go from number three, where you have these little fond memories of this cute little kid who had a crush on Sarah, by the way. It's adorable. Like, he was just (laughs) kind of shy and timid. And then you play Fallout 4, and he's just like, a butthole. And it's like, excuse you? I did not raise you this way. Who who do you think you are? Well, if my math is correct, he would only be like 20 in Fallout 4. Yeah, I think that's about where Because in 2283, he's 16. Mm-hmm. And Fallout 4 takes place in 2287. So he'd be 20. And that explains everything to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. And I might get some hate comments for that. But 20-year-olds, doesn't matter if you're male or female. You make a lot of dumb decisions. I know. I was one of you. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> We were all 20 at one time, and we were all making bad choices, but none of us had an airship, so, (laughs) yeah. So, here's the thing. After, you know, you guys take care of the Enclave, and then you go and you, uh, you as the lone wanderer, help, I put in heavy quotation marks, destroy Adam Air Force Base. (laughs) Yeah, they're the ones who, like, take over the wasteland in that area, pretty much. Uh Uh-huh. And also, okay, let me untangle this thought I'm having for a minute because it's getting jumbled. I say heavy air quotes for help because the Lone Wanderer definitely did all of the heavy lifting on that one. Let's not kid ourselves. (laughs) Sounds about right. Once again, leave it to the Vault Dweller to do all of the hard work. Of course. That's... Another thing, you like you successfully defeat the Enclave. Project Purity is up and running. You got clean water. If you were a good person, you didn't fuck the water up in any such way. One day I'm going to do an evil run of Fallout 3. But the idea of putting in a um, modified FEV into the water and killing all my ghoul friends was not appealing to me. Yeah, I was like, um... Me and my buddy Sharon are real tight, and so I'm not gonna kill the ghouls. Right. I'm just not. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I have a soft spot for super mutants, too, even though there's only a handful of Mm -hmm. ones that don't want to eat my face. I do, too. To be fair, though, like, the very first super mutant I ever run into was, um, cool, Uncle Leo. I was like, I swear it's Uncle Leo, but am I remembering the... Like, New Vegas right now, or... But no, it is Uncle Leo. Yeah. So he was the first super mutant I ever ran into. And he is so fucking sweet. 
Uh-huh. That it makes me want to die. He is adorable, and you only, like, run into him randomly, and he's just the nicest super mutant. I like that in... Three, New Vegas, and four, they've inserted at least one decent ghoul and at least one decent super mutant. Yeah. Strong wasn't a very good, nice super mutant, so I was glad they added... No. What's his name in Far Harbor? Erickson. Erickson, there we go. I can never remember his name because I am terrible with names, but I adore him. I am too, which... (laughs) Which is why I keep having to Google names. (laughs) I do remember Erickson, though, because I've been visiting him a lot lately. I have to buy all the dogs. Right. I want more dogs and settlers in my settlements. Honestly, he alone is probably my favorite part of Far Harbor. Oh, for sure. I do love Longfellow, though. Like, he is such an enjoyable character to take around with you. And... I find the interactions with him as you get your affinity up very, very sweet. The whole, if I ever had kids, I'd want them to be like you. It's just like, okay, first off, how dare you be so nice to me? And secondly, please be my father. Thank you. I'm taking adoption papers, even though I'm a grown-ass adult. Adopt me now. (laughs) But, okay, we're off on a whole new tangent. Right. (laughs) So this is, like, the part of the history that kind of, like... I don't know if I made the right choice here. So the Brotherhood is in charge of passing out the water. They've basically, they don't rule the wasteland, but they definitely are mostly in charge of it since they control the water and control how it gets shipped out and stuff. And they're not doing anything nefarious. They're making sure everyone gets what they need. Uh huh. But in Fallout 4, listening to McCready talk about it, he's like, yeah, the Brotherhood of Steel is just taking over their yeah. back there. And it's just like, okay, but like, what was I supposed to do, McCready? You tell me. The Lone Wanderer is one person who cannot possibly run a giant water purifier and make sure that everyone gets their shipment of fresh, clean water. It's just not possible. Some big organization needed to be in charge. And at the time, this was the best. Yeah. But I can see where when McCready became an adult who left Little Lamplight, and which would be around the time where Maxon became the Elder, where he'd be like, ah, this sucks. But he's also kind of that way anyway. He seems predisposed to negativity. Oh, for sure. For sure. So I don't know, but like, <laughs> it's another one of those things where when I lay in bed at night, I'm like, I wonder if giving DC over to the Brotherhood was the right decision. <laughs> Not that you really have a decision, but... Well, yeah. Just don't know. But think of it this way. At the time, Lions is in charge, mm-hmm. so you did put it into hands that did care about the community. It's true. Yeah, they kind of wanted to... They wanted to change everyone who wasn't human, and that is definitely not fucking good. But they had the community's better interest at heart. Not the best interest, but the better of the interests at heart. This is the hard thing with, like, people who are in charge. Like, you're never going to find a perfect candidate for it. It's like, there's always going to be something you don't like. Right. And so it's just like, you're always picking right. what is better it's yeah it's a decision yeah lions 
is racist against anyone infected with radiation. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't just want to hoard technology for the Brotherhood of Steel. So it does still make him the best of the Brotherhood leaders that I have come across so far. Oh, yeah. In my research. For sure. And I feel like if it had been anybody else in charge of that branch of the Brotherhood, Project Purity would not have happened. Yeah. Maybe they would have fought the Enclave. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Just for, like, you know, having that area under their control. Right. And to get a little bit of revenge from getting their ass kicked on the West Coast. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't see them being willing to help out with Project Purity in the first place. Yeah. Because it's a Wastelander problem. It's not a Brotherhood of Steel problem. Right. It kind of reminds me of in New Vegas how there's the big fight over the Hoover Dam because whoever has the dam controls the water. Mm -hmm. And the Brotherhood is just like, meh, we're going to let those guys fight it out. Yeah. We don't care. Mm. Can't wait to talk about the New Vegas uh, branch of the Brotherhood of Steel. Well, that'll be the next time we round back to Brotherhood of Steel. Absolutely. I mean, not much more is to be said on this. Lyons passed away in 2287. Sarah was actually put in charge for... 78. 78? 2278. Oh, you're right. Why did I write 87? You probably just mixed up the numbers. He's a mistake. Whoops, my bad. Yeah, uh, Sarah was in charge... But it really didn't take very long until she was killed in battle. Upsetting. That's my girlfriend. How dare you. That face. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and even worse, it's like they didn't have anyone else in line to take over. So it was just like a series of people who were put in charge and then were deposed. Right. For the next five freaking years, which is kind of ridiculous. Like they should have had more than just yeah. like one person in line after Lions because he was getting up there in age. Oh, I know. They should have had their shit figured out. You guys should have like have like a chain of command being like, hey, if this person is out, then it's this person. If this person goes out, then it's this person. And you know, just keep building from there. But no, they didn't. Right. It's kind of a mess. Yeah. And then that's where Maxon stepped in. At the ripe old age of 16. Yeah, well, he proved himself at 15 when he killed the super mutant named Shepard, which I wish there was more on this because it's like, where did Shepard come from? Like, Tell me more about this. Right, and was he really a bad guy, or was it just because he was a super Yeah, mutant? like, how bad could it have been? Anyway, yeah, he killed that leader. Maybe I need to stop giving everybody the benefit of the doubt, because I'm like, well, really? Was it that bad? Because, like, when we were doing our research on Lily, when I kept saying things about the Master, uh-huh. I was like, the Master? Was he really that bad? And yeah, yeah, he fucking was. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, he was. <laughs> At first, I'm just like, was it that bad? <laughs> like, maybe Shepard was bad. But, you know, you helped with the super mutants. You figured out where they were coming from. And, I mean, that's not going to completely wipe them out. No, but then there's this leader. And it's like, where did he come from? And was there, like, a new, like, kind of rising of the super mutants after the Lone Wanderer had helped? Or what's going on there? Right. Luckily for Maxon, you know, once he became leader, the West Coast was like, oh, hey, East Coast, what's up? Do you want to make up? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Right. Okay, 
Okay, wait. Hold on now. You were not there this whole time until Maxon took control. Y'all didn't even check up on Maxon, I bet. Yeah. This is your boy. Right. Your boy who is in line for leadership, and yet you cut off support to the West Coast where he was living, and now you want to be coming back in? The fuck? Right. That's messed up. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. Even more crazy, Maxon was like, you know, I want an airship. And then they were like, okay, son, you can have whatever you want. And they built a flippin' airship. Right, and this is actually, this is where I found a discrepancy in the lore. Mm -hmm. And I can't find an explanation for it. So, supposedly, they start building the Pridwin in 2287. Mm -hmm. But it takes, it's supposed to take them six years to build it. But that's when Fallout 4 takes place, is in 2287. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that that doesn't make sense at all. Even if you say that, you know, it took six years and it was one of the first things Maxon did and maybe the dates are wrong and it was really started building in 2283 when he took over, that's still not six years. It's four years. No. The math doesn't add up. What the flip? I don't think... Yeah. You see, they really need someone who has a good timeline for the lore down before they make new games. Someone who, like, facts checks these things. I don't know. Yeah. They need to fact check their lore. Yes, exactly. Maybe what they need to do is write books. (laughs) Once again, I am on this train. Give me books. Give me the lore. I need it, I want it, and I'm here for right. it. It's just more money in your pocket, Bethesda. Doesn't say it would look damn good in, on a shelf in my office. Ooh. Lined up. Ooh, I'm just so pretty. I'm just thinking about how I like finally get a good thing built. And I have my big old radio, my picture of Valentine, and my picture of Hancock. Uh-huh. Some of my Funko Pops. And then I just got a line of books. Yep. Oof, that looks nice. It would look real nice. <laughs> I bet they'd look real nice with my cookbook. Oh, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Get some of the replica magazines in there. Oh, I got a couple of those already. Yeah. Yeah, I've got um one of the adventuring ones, and then I have a uh, Tales of a Junktown Jerky Vendor, How I Sold My Mother, or something like that. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, I could get me a real cool setup going, but alas, they're not taking my advice on anything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, in conclusion... I think that's all I've got on the Brothers of Steel circa Fallout 3 era. Perfect. Final feelings on them. I like the Outcast power armor better just because they like shittily painted it. <laughs> that's just me being me. Um, Lion's rule was a lot more on my wavelength than other Brotherhood of Steel factions. So he's okay. Mm-hmm. Great, not great, but not bad. He's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I, I think that sometimes that's all you can hope for in someone. Those are my feelings. <laughs> um, my feelings are I will never like the outcasts right. because they were huge giant jerks to me. I do appreciate the power armor in that game, though. I do appreciate using power armor in that game because it's actually handy, unlike in Fallout Four, 
where it's not really that handy, in my opinion. It just feels slow and clunky. Uh Uh-huh. I will always have a soft spot for the Brotherhood of Steel in this game, because as I said, when I was playing this game, I was a big emotional baby. And my game daddy had just been murdered. So running to them and being like, help me, please. And having them be like, yeah, we'll help you. Was like, oh, oh, good. You're my friends now. So I I think I'm always going to like this branch of them. Right. It always have a tiny soft spot for the Brotherhood still. Yeah, for sure. It's why I can't fully say that I hate them. Uh Uh-huh. And I think that, um, I can't really even hate Maxon from 4 because I just think of this little kid all the time. Yeah. But it's also, like, this carrying a huge disappointment of seeing them go from decent people helping out to the giant jerkwads in the sky. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Being like, oh, you disgusting ghoul. Oh trash synth and it's just like don't talk to my boyfriend or my husband like that excuse you (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that is all i have on that all right well if you enjoyed this episode send your friends over to awkwardintrovertpod.fireside.fm so that they can also hopefully enjoy our content as well Hopefully. Sometimes it's like, what is going on in this podcast? (laughs) I thought we were going to be talking about Fallout and we somehow landed in The Legend of Zelda. (laughs) I thought we were going to be talking about Fallout, but now we're just talking about past trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, it's all related, guys. That's that's what's important, (laughs) is that it relates somehow. It is. It truly is. It all comes full circle eventually, even if we can't remember how we got there in the first place. We are just like, we're a barrel rolling down a mountain and we're hitting into a lot of things, but we're still going. Going and going and going. That analogy almost makes sense, I think. (laughs) In any case, it doesn't matter. You guys should, you know... Give us a review, rate us, like us, tell your friends, send us a message, tell us what more you would like to hear about or what you would like to see. And that's it from me. So stay hydrated. Pick up your trash. Oh yeah, do pick up your trash. And remember to sneeze into the crook of your elbow like you're a vampire. Don't spread your germs everywhere. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Yes, please. Thank you. Bye.